Hey, my monkeys, what's up? You're listening to the Arm Day Podcast. I'm Uncle Silverback. Today is Sunday, the 25th of September, 2011. On the show today, we're going to have a little bit more of what I would call maybe a entertainment-centric show. So we're going to talk a little bit more about some uh, TV shows and some movies and things like that. So before we jump into that, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. If you want to contact me here, uh, you want to do a uh, leave some feedback or just do a shout out or do whatever you want to do. You got some content or some suggestions for the show. Please feel free to send those in to me, and you can do that either uh, through the voicemail or through the email that we have. If you go through the voicemail, we've got the new one. I think I mentioned that on the last show. It's two zero six seven four five two seven three one two oh six seven four five ape one so two oh six seven four five two seven three one and i look forward to hearing from you guys on that also if you want to go through the email it's thearmedape at gmail.com and of course with that you can always attach an mp3 or a wave file and i'll be more than happy to play that for you on the show um, if you have something that you want to send in or you have maybe a very specific question for me but you didn't want it necessarily mentioned on the air uh, just go ahead and let me know and uh and we can kind of correspond and do what we need to do that way and i've had people do that in in the past where somebody maybe wants to contact somebody else but it's really not you know to be broadcast for everybody type thing uh let's see here i know another thing with the voicemail and uh, you guys know that i also do firearms cafe and I use the voicemail for both podcasts, so just let me know which podcast you'd like it used for. Uh, also, it's kind of neat to be able to say sort of your first name and you know the state that you're from or something like that. Okay, let's go ahead and I think we've got enough of that stuff done. Let's go ahead and jump in and uh, we'll get a, a review for a TV show from Ken, so go ahead and take it away, Ken. Hey, Tony, my fellow monkeys, this is Ken from Colorado, and I wanted to bring you sort of a quick TV show review. Um, actually, it's not so much a review as a recommendation, I think. Um, unfortunately, this is going to be only for those people who have Hulu Plus, because the show is on that channel. Um, although it was originally aired on um, BBC4 in Britain, and the show is called The Misfits. It's a British sci-fi comedy drama type show. Uh, each episode is something around the nature of like 45 minutes. You know, probably would have been a an hour-long show when it was aired. And the premise is that the story centered around five young people who have been sentenced to community service for various reasons. Um, they've all kind of done you know, their own little petty crimes. And they get uh, sentenced to community service. Um, but on their, I think it's actually their first day on community service, they get caught in a freak storm and all get uh, struck by lightning and soon after start developing supernatural powers. Um, small bo- spoiler here, they end up having to kill their probation officer who's named Tony, sorry Tony, um, because the storm turned him into an angry, milder version of the Incredible Hulk who wants to kill everybody. This kind of sets the tone for the rest of the uh, 
next several episodes <clears throat> as our little group here. Uh, they have to cover up Tony's death and try to keep anybody from figuring out, you know, they had a hand in it. Um, I'm really enjoying this show. It's really pretty funny, weird, quirky. I, I think that's kind of, you know, normal for British television. Um, like m- most shows, the group of main characters, um, the season kind of moves along, featuring a different person each week. Uh, and actors that they picked out for for these roles make the characters really believable, which with some of them is pretty impressive because I think at least one or two of the actors, it's really their first big gig. Um, they didn't really have anything listed in their, um, their resume, their online resume, as any other things going on before the show. Um, let's see. I do want to give a quick warning. It's a show for adults. Uh, there's some sexual conduct, a uh, whole bunch of adult language, and some violence. It's definitely a dark comedy, which I enjoy. Uh, Hulu Plus puts up a new episode every Monday. If you decide to check it out, I hope you enjoy it. All right, we'll catch you later, guys. All right, thanks for that review, Ken, or I guess recommendation. Uh, sounds like a pretty cool show. Now, Ken had mentioned about Hulu and Hulu Plus. You can actually, I think, watch the show on your computer. You have you do have to sign up for an account with them, but it doesn't cost anything, so you're not signing up for a subscription service. Uh, I know through my uh, through the PlayStation, I think I can get it for like eight dollars a month, uh, but uh, I don't know that I'm going to do that just yet. Uh, but anyway, if you guys want to check out the uh, the show, I know you can watch it on your computer without having to pay a subscription price. So you can you can do that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, but yeah, it sounds intriguing. I'm going to actually check out the uh, the first episode and see it. I watched a couple of the trailers and it looks pretty neat. Uh, let's see uh, anything else about that. Oh, uh, it's kind of in the same vein. But with uh, kind of with the Netflix thing, with the whole deal that kind of uh, kind of blew up with that, the guy Reed Hastings, who's one of the co-founders, actually last week sent out an email, basically apologizing, say they messed up, they they uh, went about all their uh, changes to their business model and everything. They kind of did it the wrong way. And I wanted to read a couple of uh, just little excerpts I got from the thing. Basically, he starts out saying. Uh, you know, I messed up and I owe you an explanation. And then he goes on and talks about what they're doing and, and their new thing is going to be for the DV service, DVD service, excuse me, will be Quickster. Uh, and I think what you're going to have to do is probably sign up for an account at quickster.com. Uh, but it should be relatively simple. And then you'll just have two separate things if you want to do it that way. Uh, and then at the end of, I won't go over all the other stuff, but at the end of the email, he basically just writes and says, uh, I'll go ahead and just read it out here. Quote, I want to acknowledge and thank you for sticking with us and to apologize again to those members, both current and former, who felt we treated them thoughtlessly. Uh, both the Quickster and Netflix teams will work hard to regain your trust. We know it will not be overnight. Actions speak louder than words, but words help people to understand actions. Close quote. And then he's, uh, he goes on at the end and says he's got a slightly longer explanation than the uh, email that you got posted over in a video thing on their blog.
So again, we did have some good discussion about kind of what they were doing, and, and I had kind of thought that they were just basically telling their customers we're changing stuff, and you can if you don't like it, you know, you can go pound sand. And I I, I think this kind of thing, what he's doing here, sort of kind of bears that out that they were kind of arrogant in the way that they did the uh, did the announcement. And I thought what they should have done the, the second email was the one that we should have got gotten in the first. Uh, because there's an expl- you know there's it's more it's, it's more of an explanation and realistically for them to type out an extra two or three paragraphs and you know to, to to take the extra 20 minutes or whatever that it would have taken somebody to do that and then just sort of mass email all their customers you know wasn't anything so we'll kind of see where they're going long term I don't uh, uh, for some people I know will never go back with it uh, you know for me and I think Eric had kind of had said the same thing that. Uh, what we get out of the service for the price, I still like getting the DVDs and I still like doing the streaming. So for me, it's still pretty good. Uh, and I know I'd mentioned it before in other, in other shows, but eventually we've got satellite and eventually I think we're going to get rid of that and, or maybe just drop it down to the bare bones, like $19 a month or something like that. And, uh, and then I'll go with Hulu and some of the other things and kind of see how they, see how they do, um, we, I, I've noticed as, as the months have gone by, I, I really don't watch that much regular quote unquote TV anymore. Uh, most of the stuff I can get through Netflix or if it, if it's something that's out, I can, you know, either watch it on the computer through Hulu or I can, there's other sources rather than just, you know, having to pay the, the extraordinary amount for, um, for the satellite or for cable or however you're going to get TV, that type of thing. And, uh, there, I mean, there are some shows that probably I wouldn't be able to get, uh, but what I think may happen too is maybe some of the satellite companies and some of the, uh, and the, the cable companies may have to do more of an a la carte type thing where it'll be, they'll lose some of their stuff, but you'll still be able to get maybe like history channel or this or that through them. And you'll just pay two or $3 per channel and maybe you'll only have 10 or 15 channels through them, but they're going to be the the ones that you want. And uh, I think you'll see a lot of these other smaller networks kind of go by the wayside. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We've got a uh, kind of a recommendation and review from Eric, so go ahead and take it away, Eric. Hey, Tony, this is Eric again with more movie talk for the Arm Date podcast. Uh, this is going to be kind of another twofer with some general movie talk in between. I'm uh, playing around with Netflix, and I stumble across a recommendation, Zone Troopers. I read the synopsis. It takes place in World War II, and it's kind of got a sci-fi element. They discover there's like a space alien or something, and I'm thinking, hey, this sounds kind of cool. 1985. Why don't I revisit my childhood and check it out? Well, I do, and it leads on to it's it's a horrible movie, but we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Um, as I did a little bit of research, kind of looking into this, it led me to uh, to another movie, Trancers, which I'll also talk about. Both of these were done by Charles Band. Now, if you're kind of new to B movies, and obviously, you know, Tony, you're not, but for the listeners, uh, Charles Band is probably second in importance to crappy movies only to uh, Troma or Roger Corman. 
uh, speaking of Roger Corman, probably the king of bad movies, if you haven't seen the bootleg of Fantastic Four from 1994, it's horrific and it's hilarious. I suggest you look it up, but uh, you can only get it as a bootleg. It was never released. They actually only made the movie just to prove that they had done it so that they could secure copyrights for the future. Um, anyway, uh, Roger Corman, or no, I'm sorry, I'm all distracted. Charles Band uh, does a lot of stuff. He had, what was it, Empire Pictures, and then a whole bunch of Full Moon Productions, Full Moon Entertainment, Full Moon Studios. It was always kind of changing it around. But uh, under the Full Moon brand, made a lot of really bad movies. And uh, <laughs> some of them are kind of classic. you got to see them. Zone Troopers, not really quite so much. Um, Zone Troopers is kind of interesting because there are moments where if you're watching it, it's got some iconic shots. I mean, you can see what they wanted to do, and in particular, uh, it surrounds Tim Tim Thomerson. I'm going from memory now. I walked away from the laptop. Don't remember the star's name, but uh, they do some shots in this movie where you think, "Holy crap!" I don't know where the problem is. I don't know what budget shortfall prevented it from achieving awesomeness. But it almost kind of could have been, you know. You can really see that uh, there are some skilled people making these movies, even even the B movies. Um, there's a subplot involving Tim Thomerson's character, and uh, if they would have done a little bit more with that, and a little bit less with the extraterrestrials, the the badly done extraterrestrials. It actually would have been a pretty cool movie, um, a slight rewrite, and that could have been amazing. But uh, you'll know within, God, the first two minutes that you're watching a B movie just from how grossly overacted and ridiculous some of the lines are, and I love it. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, it's one of those, it's got Art LaFleur, and the reason I say it's one of those is because it's, it's one of those movies where you go, Hey, that guy. And Art LaFleur is is one of the that guys. Uh, as much as I hate to admit it, what I recognize him from primarily is Man of the House, the crappy 1995 movie with Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I think it was a Disney flick. Uh, it was. It was a Disney flick. Um, Art LaFleur played the chief at the, like, kids' squaw camp, whatever the hell, uh, rip on Boy Scouts that was supposed to help them become father-son. Uh, you might recognize him from playing Babe Ruth in The Sandlot. Uh, he was in Air America. He was in The Replacements. He was uh, an assistant coach. The Replacements would be the 2000 flick with Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman. Not a great movie, but I love it. Anyway, uh, like I say, he's he's a, hey, that guy. You'll recognize him. Um he does a decent job, you know, he's a good actor, and quite frankly, Tim Thomerson probably could be a good actor. The reason I say that is because the next movie I watched, I went back in time, I think it was a, a year before, to Trancers, which also has Art LaFleur and Tim Thomerson, a, a number of people who were involved in Zone Troopers. Trancers, I think, was done by Charles Band when it was Empire Pictures, and this is another one where you go, wow, this this is a B movie, 
but you can really tell they were working at it. The first scene where they pull up to this very, I'm guessing, Blade Runner-inspired cafe. Now, the plot's garbage, but the camera work, the work they put into setting the stuff up, even no budget whatsoever, it's pretty impressive. It's one of those things where you go, wow, you know, the, the editor, the set designer, somebody was really on their game for no money at all. <laughs> and, you know, it's actually pretty dang enjoyable. I always say that the cardinal sin of most B-movies is that they're boring. Um, they can have a really funny premise, and they can be totally crappy, but as long as they keep me entertained, as long as they keep doing something, I forgive the weak spots. I enjoy the crappy movie for what it is. Um and very few B-movies do that. They're just kind of long cuts of nothing because nobody understands editing or pacing. I, I don't really know. Trancers does not do that. Uh, Trancers, and I would say to a lesser extent, Zone Troopers. Zone Troopers isn't as engaging the whole way through, but uh, Trancers keeps up a good beat. It stays interesting. It keeps your interest. And for lousy B-movies, uh, I would say... Watch Zone Troopers to see some of those kind of iconic shots where you go, holy crap, someone almost knew what they were doing. Uh, because it really is, those scenes stand out. And the subplot with Tim Thomerson's character, I think he was a sergeant in that, really would have been interesting. Um, and Trancers, <laughs> I hate to say it, guilty pleasure. I enjoyed it the whole way through. So uh, Zone Troopers for analysis, Trancers for fun. Hope that guy, uh, hope that entertains you guys, and I will talk to you again next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for that, Eric. I appreciate that review. You know, I saw Trancers years ago, and I don't, I don't remember much about it. I remember at the time liking it, uh, but I was kind of at the time, I still kind of am, I guess, a, a Tim Thomerson fan. Uh, so I like a lot of the stuff that he's in. I just like watching him on screen. I haven't, I'd, I'd never really heard of Zone Troopers before, so I'll go ahead and check that out and we'll watch that. That is over, uh, both of those are streaming on Netflix. Now, another real quick recommendation, and I talked about this before uh, on a previous show about the, uh, um, one of the, one of the kind of like a B movie type thing. And it was actually a movie called, and I'm going to pull it up here on on uh, Netflix right now called Hunter Prey and it is a you can you can watch it streaming or you can get uh the disc uh if you stream it it's in it's in HD uh but it's actually a really good low budget B sci-fi movie and like I said I, I talked a lot about it before uh on the other thing and there are some plot holes in it and stuff but if you want to watch a B movie done right uh, this is the one to watch. Now, some of the costuming and some of the makeups, it'll put you in mind uh, of some, you know, some things are, the the helmet one of them's wearing is, is basically like a Star Wars inspired type helmet, you know, almost like a Boba Fett looking type thing. Uh, but all in all, I, I it's a good movie. I'd recommend it. And again, that's Hunter Prey. Uh, so our, our recommendation so far, we've got Misfits, We've got uh, Trancers and Zone Troopers, and then we got Hunter Prey. Now, the main thing that I wanted to talk about today, I've got two more movie suggestions for you guys. The first one is 
uh, a movie that Lon Chaney did back in 1928. It was directed by Todd Browning. A lot of you B-movie guys and older movie guys are going to recognize that name. Todd Browning uh, directed a, a, a really good movie, if you uh, can get a hold of it, called Freaks. And uh, you know what? While we're sitting here, let me let me uh, pull this up and see if I can find Freaks here on... Uh... Yeah, and actually Freaks is available on... On Netflix, uh, you can get the DVD of that, and uh, it, it's it's a really good movie done in 1932. Uh, I'm glad that it's available now, um, and that's another one I'd recommend for you. But anyway, getting back to West of Zanzibar, and uh, I'll also see if if that is on. Uh, I don't think it is. No, it is not. It's not showing up here. Uh, I actually was able, I record, they were doing almost like a, kind of like a Lon Chaney movie night on Turner Classic Movies, and so I've recorded a bunch of them. Uh, And what I'm actually going to do is take them from the hard drive that I've got on my DVR and put it onto my external hard drive. Uh, You know, and I know eventually they'll, they'll come up with one and I'm there, there probably is a DVD that you can get, uh, yeah, I'll uh, maybe go ahead and take a look here, and we'll we'll uh, check and see. All right. Well, I looked around and I couldn't find it. I don't think the 1928 version is out in DVD. Uh, hopefully one day it will be. It's just a, it's a really good um, uh, a really good movie. Um, kind of the um, the plot behind it is Lon Chaney plays a uh, plays a magician, and his wife is his assistant. She is gonna is gonna leave him. And is going to go off with this other guy named Crane, who's actually played by Lionel Barrymore. And then the story kind of goes on from that. Uh, I don't know how much I want to sort of give away. Um, Basically, though, I'll I'll give maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. Basically, what happens is they they leave. uh, Lon Chaney's wife, Anna, leaves with Crane. And then about a year later, he gets word that she's in a church. And so he goes down and then he finds her dead in the church and then there's a baby that's there. So he thinks that that is uh, the baby that Anna had with Crane, the guy that she left with. And so it it picks up about 18 years later and it, in that scene of, of them in the church, it ends with him basically swearing to God that he is going to get revenge not only on Crane, but on Crane's kid. Uh, and so then the movie picks up and he's in Africa. And of course this, this isn't really a plot spoiler, but when Crane and Lon Chaney, whose, whose character is named uh, Froso, 
when they when when uh, Crane goes up and tells Froso that look I'm gonna your your wife is leaving she's coming with me they kind of get in a fight and they're in the the second story and he they get pushed over the bill over the uh, the banister from the room and he falls and then, and then uh, it leaves Lon Chaney's character paralyzed so it picks up with him uh, right before Crane left Crane had said that he was going to take Anna and go to Africa. Uh, and so again, once once uh, Anna comes back and dies in the church, and Lon Chaney swears his revenge, it, it fast forwards like eighteen years later, and he's basically taken over uh, a region of the kind of the Congo, and because he's a, a magician and a, a real good illusionist, he basically has got all these local tribes that are in fear of him and they're kind of uh, in this area they're basically controlled by him and what will happen is he'll bring in the chief from one of these village or he'll bring in the the head uh, witch doctor guy and then he shows them all this magic and does all this stuff and of course they think he's way more powerful than him so then they they uh, they'll kind of swear fealty to him and all this other stuff so Anyway, through the course of the movie, uh, I don't know how much I want to give away. Uh, there's a lot of kind of twists and turns and different things. But the main thing is, is the performance, again, that Lon Chaney gives. And the more movies that I watch this guy in, wow, the more I like him. He is just a, such a good actor. Now, again, with this stuff, it's, it's a it's different form of acting than what we're used to. So if you go in cold with this stuff and 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 you're like, well, it, it's it's very what you would call stagey, uh, and you sort of have to go in with that in mind. Also, sometimes the depending on how you're watching it or getting to watch it, the soundtracks may be a little different. Uh, some of the stuff that I've seen on TCM, what they do is it's not just the music, but a lot of times they're giving little bits of crowd noise here and there. Um, you know, I don't know how much I really like that, but kind of getting back to the acting, a lot of times they're over what we would consider today to be overly dramatic. Uh, the expressions are kind of bigger than life. Uh, and of course, you know, even back then when they were showing stuff on the theater, I'm not sure how brightly lit the pictures would have been. And so even maybe when you were, if you had gone into the theater to watch back then in the twenties, maybe it, 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 uh, you, they would have needed to have a little bit more expression so it does come across. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe as projection and things got a little better over the next probably five, six, seven years, you know, you see you see a movie from the 20s and you compare it to one from the 30s and there is a big difference. And there's also a big shift in how they act, the style or the schools of acting, what they're doing, that type of thing. Uh, but anyway, if you can get a hold of this movie, West of Zanzibar, pick it up. It's got a couple of twists in it, a couple of things you don't really... Uh, see coming and especially for at that at the time when this movie was released it would have been uh, kind of like almost like uh, uh, the phenomenon of um oh, what the heck's that thing uh six cents you know where they have the twist in it and everything like that so a uh, fantastic movie again can't recommend it highly enough all right let's kind of go on a little bit of a different tact here and this is another movie i've got for you this one is actually a documentary it's uh, made by a man named david bond and it, what happens with him is that he 
gets a uh, he gets a letter basically from his bank saying, "Oh, we're so sorry to tell you this or to inform you about this, but information about you was lost by the company." And this information was your name, your date of birth, and then details about your bank account. So it could have had bank numbers and, you know, all sorts of other things. And what this got him to thinking is, is he once he decides to find out how private his identity is. So how protected it, you know, how easy is it for somebody to kind of pick up and find information about him. And it's it's really good because... Uh, and I don't, I don't think I mentioned it before, but uh, David Bond is a British citizen, and of course over there, they are, are, I guess for lack of a better turn of phrase, are maybe used to more intrusion than we are here in the states. Uh, there was a section in the movie where he talks about, he goes outside, and within a hundred meter circle of his house. He counted something like 200 cameras. Uh, so, also the way that that um, the guy sets it up is he's he's basically going to see if he can disappear for a month without sort of leaving any traces. So, if he wants to buy a plane ticket or do this or do that, can he do it without having to give up information? And he, the the documentary kind of is, is is sort of on two tacks. On in the way that he sort of is going to test this theory out is, he's going to try and totally drop out of sight, and then he hires a private detective agency to try and locate him to see if they can kind of track him down just by the information that's out there. Uh, and so, in some instances, it kind of becomes a chase thing, and in some instances, it's kind of a thing of well, can this guy? just sort of have a normal life and, and sort of be un, off the radar, so to speak. And in that aspect, I think they focused more on kind of the chase of him trying to avoid the people and trying to, you know, avoid being caught. And I think it fell a little short in... And if, if, if what his goal was, was to say, well, how can I kind of go through daily life without being in all these other people's database. And I thought from that standpoint, it fell a little short. Uh, now, he did in the movie, he went and he talked to, you know, several different people, uh, talked about uh, different things, you know, for on, on different uh, privacy, you know, advocates and things like that over there. Uh, they had a, one thing in a, uh, uh, in a British school where they have these biometric scanners where, you have to use your your middle finger to put it on this scanner and it has the prints and that way it lets you into the school they also want the parents and the teachers to have it and all this other stuff and but it's a real good documentary about kind of what he discovers and how his eyes kind of come open and there's a lot of stuff in there that that really makes you think, and a lot of things. And, and what I well, how do I how do I describe it? I wish he had kind of spent a little bit more time, even though it would have been more of a kind of a talking head thing, with some of the experts and some of the advocates and some of this and that. One of the things that he was talking about with a, a lady who was an advocate for uh, basically child privacy. 
she was saying, you don't understand and people don't understand just how much information is gathered and kept and maintained just on your children and how that the stuff that they're getting now that doesn't really seem like it's much of a big deal may come and and haunt them later in life. And they also talked about, and again, I wish they'd gone a little bit more detail on some of this stuff, but they talked about that you can, because there is so much information that they're uh, in a country, I think the size of Britain, they were saying that you had a one or 2% chance of, of basically if someone was doing a, a background check on, you know, John Smith, because it's a relatively common name, they, and, and, and if, there's you know maybe a thousand people with that have your name and your birth date. There's a pretty good chance that if you were going for a job interview or if they're doing a background check on you, something like that, a criminal check, if you wanted to work at a certain job, that it may you may kind of get one of these you know false positive type things. Uh, but anyway, again, the movie is called Erasing David. It was done in 2009. I kind of stumbled across it. Uh, a lot of food for thought in there. A lot of of things about, you know, do you, how much of your private information should the government have? How much private information should different corporations and companies have? Uh, he, he talks to one guy, he's talking to sort of one expert. And uh, this will sort of be the last thing I'll, t- I'll talk about, about this movie. But he talks to him and he's saying, well, if I want to go off the grid, if I want to be off the radar, but I still want to be able to get some services. How do I do that? How can I do that? And then the guy kind of says to him back, he says, look, you're, you're wanting something that you can't have because you can't be off the radar and you can't say, I want these services. You can't have them both. He said, the only thing that you can do is kind of minimize your exposure type thing. So uh, anyway, again, uh, if you guys watch any of these movies that we've talked about, uh, Racing David, uh, West of Zanzibar, Zone Troopers, uh, Hunter Prey, Misfits, what was the other one, uh, Trancers, if you guys uh, watch that over the next week or two, go ahead, give me a call either on the voicemail or shoot me an email and let me know what you think about it. I'm especially interested uh, if we have any of our uh, uh, UK listeners out there. Uh, if they've seen this movie, kind of what they thought of it, what are some of their, some of your guys' views living kind of in that, uh, especially in London where there's just, I guess, tons and tons of the of the surveillance cameras. Um, you know, are, how do most people feel about it? Because it seemed like to me, and one of the things that it seemed like that's coming about now, and, and you got a little bit of a hint of this, although I wished, again, there would have been more of this, you got a little bit of a hint of that there's starting to be some pushback. There's starting to be uh, lots of uh, lots of groups are popping up talking about privacy, being advocates for privacy, advocates for liberty. Uh, so I think the pendulum may start to swing, uh, at least with with the common with the common people. So people like you and me over in England, maybe it's starting to go back to where they're saying, you know what? Maybe we have given up too much. Maybe it's time to take a step back. Uh, and, and, you know, we I, I talked, uh, I think, on Firearms Cafe uh, when I w- took, took you guys with me, so to speak, to the gun show about that Franklin quote. And basically what the quote says is, those who would trade, those who would trade essential liberties 
for the promise of temporary security deserve neither liberty nor security. Uh, so that's uh, you know a very very powerful quote. Uh, I've also reminded of the quote by Daniel Webster, where uh, again I'll sort of paraphrase it. Basically, he says that in uh, in all times there are men who mean to govern well, and there are uh, but they mean to govern, and there are men who promise to be good masters, uh, but they mean to be your master. So uh, again, you know, if, if you go back and you just look at some of the things that the that the founding fathers did and what they said, uh, and how they wanted government to be, not how they, uh, not that they had any of these uh, grand illusions, uh, but you know, they tried to put a lot of checks and balances in power because they knew even in their time, uh, they knew that before the the ink was dry on the parchment, so to speak, that people would be looking for loopholes and and. Uh, uh, you know, there is a certain type of person who who gravitates towards positions of authority and and, and who gravitate who wants to be in positions of power. There's a certain personality type, uh, and when you get a lot of those people in the room, it's not going to be too far of a stretch to think maybe they can push. Maybe they think they can push the rules a little bit. Maybe they think they can get away with stuff. Maybe they can find a little loophole. Uh, and that's why we have things like the Constitution to try and and uh, get that stuff down to a minimum. And, uh, you know, I do want to take a little bit of time to talk a, a little, just a tiny bit of politics. As you guys know, I am a supporter of Ron Paul. Uh, we've seen, and this was stuff that I had talked about a long time ago when I when I first started talking about him, that once he started making his run, that he would either be attacked uh, or he would be ignored. And we're seeing it over and over again that he's ignored. You look at polls when, you know, that's another thing. With all these polls, they're trying, you know, the, the media wants you, for whatever reason, to only look at Perry and to only look at Romney. A lot of times in these polls, they won't even put Ron Paul's name on there. Uh He's the guy that I support. He's the guy that all his since he since he's gotten into Congress in the in the House of Representatives in the seventies has pretty much said the same thing and been very consistent. He's a guy that stand is is willing to stand up and say things that he knows ninety nine percent of the people aren't going to agree with, but he understands that they need to be said and these things need to be done if we want to keep this country on track and we and and quite frankly if we want to get this country back on track. Uh, we're so saddled in debt. <laughs> in fact, you know, a lot of times when we talk about things like this, we talk about doing an analogy or bringing it down to where you say, okay, well, if the government was my household and I was running it this way, we'd be out on the street. You know, we, you couldn't, you, you absolutely couldn't do anything like this. And I heard some commentator, and she was some uh, Obama supporter. But it wouldn't have mattered even if she would have been, you know, like a Perry supporter. It probably would have been the same thing where they're saying, oh, it's very dangerous to, you know, try and make that comparison. Well, no, it's not. Uh, and the reason that that person was saying something like that is because she doesn't want you to try and start thinking, well, yeah, it is that simple. You know, you, you can't spend more than what you've got bringing in. And you can't keep spending and then borrow to keep spending and increase your debt, increase your debt. Uh, it, it just it can't work. Eventually it has to come to an end. 
so anyway, I, I think Ron Paul is one of the guys that is serious about it. I think he will he'll make the hard decisions. I think he will uh, get the information out and uh, and will give real solutions. We won't get a lot of uh, double speak of when they tell you where we're going to do a two trillion dollar cut when actually all it is instead of raising uh, the debt that they want to borrow and the spending they want to do to nine trillion. In addition to what we're doing now, they're only going to do seven trillion, and so there you've got a savings of two trillion. Well, no, you don't. You've got it. You've, you've basically just got an increase in spending of seven trillion dollars. So, um, I'll talk a little bit about Perry. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, some of you guys may or may not know. He used to be. He was a Democrat a long time ago. He switched over, not because of any you know epiphany he had or or any. Uh, you know, a great uh, truth that he came to. Basically, he did it so that he could keep uh, his political position. Uh, and then he found that, hey, out here in Texas, being a Republican is not too bad. I can get lots and lots of votes. Uh, but you got to remember, this is a guy that is in bed with uh, the big pharmaceuticals, especially Merck. Uh, and, uh, you know, Merck was, well, he basically did through executive order, uh, is going to do forced vaccination. Lo and behold, Merck, who the company who was who was doing this, uh, was going to get something like $300 a shot. Basically what this forced vaccination was, which was Gardasil, was a, um, what do I want to say, like a cash influx or kind of a mini bailout for that pharmaceutical company, which was Merck. Uh, they had another drug just before that did not go over good so they needed to have an influx of cash and they needed to make some stuff up uh very very shortly after that along comes perry and signs in the uh, gardasil forced vaccination and uh merck starts to make 300 dollars a shot all right well you know what i'm going to go ahead and jump off the uh, political bandwagon uh, i would love to hear from you guys again the new phone number uh voicemail number excuse me 206 745 Ape one two zero six seven four five two seven three one. All right, my monkeys. I will talk to you next time. Take care. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini!